It's the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Excited in this segment here to be joined by Dr. John Laffey. He's the Assistant Professor of Political Science at Plymouth State University. And we're going to be discussing the uh, craziness that was the election this week. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So I, I, I got to start off with the elephant in the room, which is the Senate race here in New Hampshire, because it, first of all, I, on the onset after the primary, I was shocked that Bolduc actually managed to, to get the nomination. And then it, it was looking really good. It was so confusing. Mid after the primaries, the Republican National Committee pulled support of, for ads. And then a week later, they said, oh, no, never mind. Started shoving money his way again. And then he ends up losing by nine points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it wound up not even being close. Democrats were really nervous going into election night. I don't know what happened there. I mean, there were a few polls from junkie uh, organizations, uh, but there were also what were clearly outliers uh, from legitimate organizations. It looks like Democrats might have been underpolled in this state. We're used to thinking of Republicans as being underpolled and just assuming they're going to overperform. But that's not what happened here. Hasn't overperformed by a wide margin. She didn't even she on election night. She was able to go to bed early. Uh, she wasn't even kept up late uh, waiting for the results. And, you know, this is really an election, I think, that was winnable for the Republicans. And they just did not nominate the right candidate. Um you know, it's not that Republican can't win in this state. Governor Sununu won re-election by a very wide margin. I think if he ran for Senate, he would have won. Chuck Morris, I don't know if he would have won. He at least would have kept Maggie Hassan up late. Uh, but Don Boldick, you know, he's just he was just too out of step with mainstream voters in this state. Um, you know, in poli-sci, we usually think that the candidates aren't as important as the fundamentals. So, you know, we're looking at this election and we're like, well, you know, uh, inflation is 9%. Uh, gas prices are really high. The president's approval rating is like around 40%. And you just assume there's going to be a red wave, including in a purple state like New Hampshire. You just assume the Republican is going to win. But all of that is predicated on the assumption that, you know, yeah, that works, assuming the opposition party's candidates are at least acceptable to voters. That's why we obsess over the generic ballot. Yeah, ge a generic Republican probably wins the race. But here, as in so many places around the country, people didn't get a generic Republican and decided they'd rather stick with the Democrat, even if they are unhappy the way things are. Doesn't mean they'll take anything else. It seems like across the board, it was a majority are the, the Trumpy Republicans are the ones that got these nominations that ran really rough on Election Day. That's There's no... There's no beating around the bush when it comes to Bolduc and Levitt. They were they were both outright. We are we we love Trump and Carrie Lake. Yeah. We speaking of Arizona, we thought was going to yeah. be running away with it because she has such great stage presence. But yeah. the the independent voters, the kind of center right voters that aren't necessarily on board with Trump, uh, just did not did did not warm up to these candidates. And I, this might be a total separate tangent that may not be related but it really kind of reminds me of what happened with with obama obama as like the president was great for with regards to through the the election like he, he powered through we had the charisma and everything but he does horrible when it comes to getting local elections or statewide elections to get his candidates to be successful i mean is that a fair comparison yeah, it's a kind of that that makes sense to me. Yeah, Obama was remarkable for having no coattails uh, in his own elections, very minimal coattails. 
And, you know, for Donald Trump, I mean, he's not even on the ballot this year, but right. somehow he is completely able to negate the midterm effect. We just assume the opposition party is going to gain seats. If Donald Trump even just keeps a low profile over the course of the midterms, the Republicans probably wind up, you know, nominating better candidates and then winning the election. But of course, he's not able to do that. He had to be dissuaded, reportedly, from declaring his re-election campaign uh, earlier this Monday. And is a good thing for him. He was because then he would definitely be getting the blame, uh, even more so, uh, for this disappointing performance for the GOP. When it comes to the Democrats, uh, on the other hand, it also doesn't seem like they won because they were necessarily strong candidates. I mean, that's you look at Maggie Hassan. She's an incumbent that uh, I saw this on Twitter. Someone brought up and I could not agree more is none of the national pundits were able to say her name correctly. She was uh, Maggie Hassan. It it was repeated over and over again. It it, it drove me nuts as as a conservative who listens to conservative outlets. It it was constantly Maggie Hassan. It's like, no, she's very much a white lady in New Hampshire. That's not how you say her last name. I'm sorry. It it seems she's like a nothing candidate that no one knows anything about. She's been kind of just voting along party lines. She's tried to make her stake in the healthcare side of things without any yeah. real notoriety. I mean, I don't think yeah. the like the Democrats necessarily put forward their best candidates either. Not necessarily, no, not here or nationwide. I mean, Hassan is somebody who, I mean, in the Senate, she's kind of just, she's there. She's yeah. doing the day-to-day job, but she doesn't really have a national presence. That's why people are mispronouncing her name unless they happen to be New Hampshire pundits. Um, so, no, they didn't put forward the best candidates necessarily either. And really, this is this struck me as kind of being an election where it almost seems like both sides were assuming they could coast to victory off the weaknesses of the other. Uh, the Democrats, I thought, were thinking, okay, the Republicans nominated bad candidates. Now we can just coast to victory off that, just rely on the fact that Bulldog's a bad candidate and that'll get you to win, which turned out to be true for Hassan. Um, and uh, the Republicans were just figuring, okay, the situation's bad, therefore it doesn't matter that we nominated some bad candidates. The fundamentals will still push us over the line. You know, this isn't an election where I think either side was actually all that enthusiastic or the people were enthusiastic about their choices. Uh, but, you know, like in New Hampshire, I think the choice between Hassan, who's okay, competent enough, kind of liberal Democrat, and Don Bullock, and they preferred Hassan. Uh, maybe they wanted a generic Republican, but that wasn't there as an option. And when you look at the governor's race, it was there's a total opposite of everything else we were seeing for federal offices here in the state. Uh, yeah. Governor Sununu, who is uh, kind of a centrist corporate Republican. I mean, he's pro business. He he says a lot of things that bother some of the the hardline Democrats. But generally speaking, yeah. his his leadership through COVID, mm-hmm. at least on the face of it, was tremendously successful. It was a it was a quite. It's it's hard to. It's really hard to give too much credit when you're comparing to various states because no one really knew what the correct answer was. And it just so happened that uh, DeSantis and Sununu and such were came across with a lot of the correct answers through handling it. And he ended up just destroying (laughs) uh, Dr. Tom Sherman with who who had some notoriety in the state, but not doesn't really have the personality and charisma that really Sununu comes across with. No. And, you know, there, there's a reason that the Democratic primary only had one candidate in it. That's pretty unusual uh, 
for when you know you're challenging an incumbent governor, especially in a purple state, that only there'd only be one challenger in the primary. So Nunu actually got a stronger primary challenge uh, than Sherman did. Uh, and you know Sherman was really what the Democratic Party he was what they needed in a candidate for this cycle, which is you need somebody who is plausible enough and respectable enough and won't embarrass you as they go down in defeat. Because barring some massive scandal against Sununu, Sherman was never going to win this race. Is this also a little bit that the... So right now, when we look at the Republican Party in the state, there's, there's this division between the conservatives and the libertarians that duke it out every day, and I've seen extensively since I've started yeah. doing this show. The the, the free staters ha, have come back full bore after being quiet for a couple of years, and then the more the libertarian uh, party of the state's really gone, become very vocal and gone, uh, had a national presence when it comes to that party. The Democrats just kind of have the this one party, generally yeah. speaking, that appears on the face of it to be very, very uh, progressive and doesn't have that kind of moderation that the, the Republican Party seems to be having in the state. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have the most left wing political uh, Democratic Party in New Hampshire. I mean, you're not seeing, you know, a lot of the, like the AOC equivalents. Uh, in the New Hampshire Democratic Party. I do agree, you know, the Republicans do have that division between the more or less mainstream, old-school business conservatives like uh, Sununu, uh, the free staters, and then you have the uh, MAGA Republicans like Don Boldick. And, you know, w- when the Republicans run a mainstream, old-style Republican like Sununu, they have a pretty good chance of winning. Uh, the question is what happens when he decides to go do something else. If you get a free stater or a MAGA type uh, in the, the election for governor, uh, like they did with Don Boldick with the Senate election this time, that's going that would be a good Democratic pickup opportunity. It's it, it kind of reminds me of how you would think about it, uh, the executive branch politicians from back. 20 years ago like it's very much we're not necessarily going to be ideologues we're going to give and take there's going to be a bit of compromise that i don't feel like we've seen very much since the the i don't mean this as as a negative phrase but the neoconservatives that is the george right. w bush era like it's I personally almost prefer that. I mean, definitely may not agree with them on right. uh, policies all, all the time, but at least it's attempting to bring people mm-hmm. together as much as the Democrats were really not happy with the abortion legislation. It was yeah. pretty darn libertarian when you look at it, and it was only a right. late-term abortion ban. And yes. I, I mean, is there a chance with this election that you're seeing that trend at all, or is it still just as bad as it was a couple of years ago? Uh, sorry, maybe I didn't understand the question. I mean, uh, in terms of the polarization. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the polarization, like the the ability to have some candidates that may be willing to compromise as opposed to the yeah. MAGA ideologues and such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the candidates who are able, and especially if they have a record showing they can compromise, which people who are in executive positions like governors and mayors usually do, because the nature of their job means they need to be pragmatists to at least some extent in order to get anything done. Uh, you can be an ideologue in the legislature or in Congress and you know just get your point across and almost turn it into a debate society because you don't actually have to get anything done if you're a single politician in that position. Um, and you know our politics could maybe benefit from both sides, uh, getting more pragmatic people 
uh, who you know have a history and can show they've actually gotten stuff done on the practical level before. That's not where our politics seem to be heading. I mean, if you look at the primary results this year, uh, you know, you're seeing more and more of the celebrity candidate uh, emerging victorious. Uh, Dr. Oz is the obvious example of that in Pennsylvania. Now, maybe the fact that those candidates aren't doing very well and mostly getting shot down, uh, maybe that will steer primary voters to make different choices in the future. But, well, frankly, who knows? I've, the primary voters have been making questionable decisions for many election cycles. Uh, so I, I'm not going to hold my breath hoping that they start making better decisions in the future. And that's true of both parties. I had um, Matt Robeson, who's a host of Beyond Politics here on the station. He wrote an editorial piece for the editorial board uh, talking about the Democrats funding some of these more MAGA Republicans. Mm. I mean, how much an impact uh, was it? Was it a winning strategy? Did it pay off? It seemed like it, it worked here in New Hampshire, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't argue with results. Um, yeah. And certainly some Ethics of the MAGA, aside. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, some of the MAGA Republicans, they pushed and maybe pushed over the line in the primaries. Democrats were definitely trying to help them get elected. Now, to be fair, you know, nobody made uh, primary voters choose these candidates, even if there were advertisements. Um, so, you know, yes, it was a successful strategy. I still say it's a very risky strategy because once you get down to two candidates, Anything can happen. I mean, if you really believe that this guy is a threat to democracy, uh, for example, like a lot of Democrats were saying with these candidates in the general election, if you really believe that, then it's irresponsible to try to push them into the top two, into the general election. Because once you get there, anything could happen. They could still win. If inflation was 15 percent instead of 9 percent, we're probably talking about Senator Poldick today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a risky strategy. It could very easily backfire. And, you know, it's also pretty obvious Republicans in 2024 are probably going to return the favor. Are there is it's been a couple elections now with Biden in office now, now this election here with the midterms. Are, are you are there any trends you can take away from it that maybe we'll look forward to what the next election is going to look like at all? Because it seems like it's totally been ad hoc this yeah. this season because of the issues with inflation, abortion being such a, a prevalent topic that we didn't think all, all the polls. And we'll talk about polls in a second, maybe. But yeah. it, it looked like abortion and such was going to be one the main things that people are going to be focused on when it really to me seemed like it was more the candidates that ended up being in place as opposed to any of these policies yeah i, I think abortion to the extent uh you know it did probably lead to an increase in voter registration and if we get the polls later you know there is some evidence that it drove more people especially young women to register to vote. And that might be why some of the polls were more bullish on Republican chances than was warranted because new voters are notoriously hard to actually poll. Um, you know, looking towards the future, looking towards 2024, the story of this election isn't that, oh, the Democrats are doing a, you know, things are great under the Democrats because most people don't think that's the case. It's not that the Democrats are strong. It's that the Republicans kind of self-destructed with these candidates. And that uh, the Trump MAGA style stuff, you know, that's a winning strategy in Republican primaries. And you can get away with it if you're running in Alabama or South Dakota or something. Uh, but it's not a strategy for winning the swing voters that you need to win purple states. It's not actually a path to power. I mean, maybe if the situation is bad enough, you could wind up winning anyways, even with those candidates and even with 
that platform. Uh, but you're going to make the job harder on yourself than it has to be. I'm a political news junkie. Polls are entertaining. It's fun yeah. to see where things are going. As New Hampshire New Hampshire Journal puts it, they view politics as a game, and I think that's a great mentality when you're uh, <laughs> a part of the media looking to see what's going on. But once again, we have big problems when it comes to polls, in my opinion. And yeah. once again, uh, judge, especially when you look at the Senate race between Hassan and Bolduc, it, mm -hmm. it was catastrophically off like do, yeah. is there still a value in this when you're talking about the general political discourse in this country well i mean nobody's gonna stop polling because uh, when it comes to you're doing politics as a game uh you know there are some people who just can't wait till election day they need something to talk about leading up to you know they're like kids who can't wait till christmas to open up uh the present and I, i'm like that too i'm a politics nerd uh as you would expect for a political science professor um so you know we're, gonna, we're obviously going to keep polling we're still going to keep talking about polling but the industry does have a major problem it does tend to vary by state in some states it's more accurate I, oddly enough it was pretty accurate in new hampshire back in 2020 but the, now it is way off and it's way off in favor of the democrats and you know i haven't gone into the weeds on some of the polls that we've seen so i don't know why specific polls in new hampshire or elsewhere may have been wrong uh, but we know in general that response rates are decreasing. Uh, and what that means is the people who actually answer phone calls about, you know, people who actually pick up a phone and, and answer a stranger's questions about politics are actually kind of weird. Uh, they're not, they're unusual. They're atypical and probably not representative of all the people who are going to vote. We used to have much larger response rates. Now they're very low. Uh, we still have trouble reaching cell phone users. Reg newly registered voters, like I mentioned earlier, are especially hard to poll. Uh, so we are getting into an era where polls are going to be increasingly, I think, inaccurate. Uh, you know, it's kind of a golden age of polling in the 2000s when it was reasonably accurate. And that age seems to be ending. And now, you know, it's a very large margin of error now. I mean, the polling aggregate at least did show Maggie Hassan as the winner. But, you know, it probably fooled the uh, Republican Senate committee into thinking that this was a winnable election and pouring money in for Don Boldick when it's getting pretty clear that money would have been better spent in, say, Nevada or Arizona than New Hampshire, because it did nothing for Boldick here. Um, I'm wondering if Mitch McConnell had access to more reliable polling data from his own internal pollsters because he cut the cord. Yeah, he pulled the plug on his his support for Boldick. He did uh, screwed up like McCarthy coming out right. the last minute with his statement is still not decided. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think polling is going to be increasingly inaccurate. We're seeing more and more junk polls, too, from the left and the right, a bit more so on the right this time. But I'm sure we'll see more from the left next time that are aimed really at creating a sense of momentum. Uh, you just hope, you know, if you build up the idea there's going to be a red wave, maybe that depresses Democrats and get your own voters out. So there actually is a red wave. Um, so you do have the junk pollsters as well who are just trying to set a narrative rather than actually measure public opinion. And you can usually tell who those are. Uh, if you're an expert in the subject, you know, okay, don't trust these guys. These are just junky partisan pollsters. Uh, but the ordinary average citizens don't know that. Uh, and that's also going to be an increasing problem. It's always been an issue. It's going to become an even bigger issue as we move forward. Dr. John Lappy, Assistant Professor of Political Science at Plymouth State University, thank you so much for joining me.
Thank you. Have a good one. Plymouth.edu if you want to learn more about the programs up there at that school. Great college up there, so check them out. Uh, this is the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show. We'll be right back after this.